Good evening, Demon fans, and welcome back to the Demon Land podcast. My name is Andy, and well, what a thrilling one minute it was that was preceded by 119 minutes of, well, we'll be discussing all that and more a little bit later on in the show. Tonight, I'm once again joined by my co-host, Grape Viney, and I'll just have to check whether his heart can take another close one like this. Uh, Grape Viney, uh, how's your ticker? Uh, yeah, struggling two weeks in a row, but uh, I've got actually got some breaking news tonight, Andy, Ooh. in relation to the game last weekend against Gold Coast. Both clubs have been charged with bringing the game into disrepute <laughs> and crimes against uh, football. Yeah, it's it wasn't it wasn't pretty, um, I, and we're, we'll discuss it a bit more. Uh, we're going to be joined later on by Super Mercado, who'll no doubt have a lot to say about the game. Um, but yeah, it, it's sort of for me, um, and as I said, we'll talk about it more later on. Uh, it did feel. Um, it almost, even though we won, it, it felt like a loss to me. Um, I know the players were, were stoked and you were wrapped and celebrating and got the win, but I, I felt a little bit empty. I don't know, I don't know what that's all about. Um, particularly when the draw, when we drew, drew it, uh, for me, that felt like a loss, definitely. Um, happy to take the four points, I'll bank that and, and yeah, but I don't know what were your feelings uh, with that. Well, we've lost another couple of players, so in yes. one sense, it, uh, it was a big loss. Yeah, I think that uh, that sort of <laughs> was part of the reason. We'll get to that later too, I guess. Yes, but uh, but now um, we're going to be joined in a moment uh, by Backman turned forward, Jaden Hunt, just after this short break. It's almost like it should have been 50. Bagley running into the zone, got away with one, kick forward. Hunt at the back and it dribbles through. It's like they've almost worked out that the season's on the line, Melbourne. The left foot raking boot of Fritz. Hunt, Mark Strong. Big grab. She says a good mark. Lockhart. Little give Petrarca to Brayshaw. Brayshaw right into that hot zone. In front of Kenneth and mold it. Melcham. Kolodasny. Hunt. Open goal. Back to 16 points. Oliver, back to Gorn, breaks clear, Viney, inside 50 they go, look at the desperation again, Hunt finds a bit of room to answer, Hall, oh my word, the first year player does answer, we're level again with 20 seconds to go. Our guest tonight has made the successful transition from the half-back line to cement a position up forward for the D's. He's the Demons' uh, second leading goal scorer in 2019 so far with nine goals, six. Just one goal behind the now-injured Jake Melksham on 10 goals, five. He's sponsored by this very website and we're very proud to do that, as well as very honoured to have him on the show tonight. Welcome back to the Demonland podcast, Jaden Hunt. Uh, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Good to be here. Uh, Jaden, we should start with a thank you. Uh, you were one of the heroes of the win the other night, heavily involved in the last two passages of play, as we just heard there. Uh, take us through that final minute. Did you know how much time was left after the Gold Coast score? And did you believe that uh, we could still turn it around? Yeah, yeah. The runner, Daniel Cross, got out and told us uh, there was about 20 seconds left So uh, when Marty kicked that goal. So... We knew, yeah, we'd have one more chance at it if we won the centre clearance. And, 
yeah, we were clearly trying to win. Um, Gold Coast looked like they were actually playing for the draw with their setups, but yeah, we we would do it. Uh, we just wanted to win. Um, what was going through your mind in that dying seconds when you collected the ball on the 50-metre line? Uh, for a second, it appeared as if you were going to kick it long and deep, uh, but you must have heard the call from Marty Hall and you dished off a beautiful handball, which obviously resulted in the levelling goal. So what was going through your mind in that play? Yeah, no, I was just trying to... We were always got told to keep calm in those pressures. There's always chances to win the game, so... Yeah, I knew someone, if I just kept on looking forward and looking for an option, someone would bop up. And then, yeah, I saw Marty out wide. And, yeah, luckily enough, hit the handball well. And we all know how good a kick Marty Hall is, so I would have backed him every time. And, yeah, he nailed it as a as a first cut, which is pretty good. Um, has it been a bit of a problem uh, not having the runners uh, on the field as much? Uh, have, you, have you noticed, as a, have the players noticed that as being being an issue? Um you know, not being able to sort of coach coach you guys uh, uh, has that been has that been a problem? It's uh, taken a bit of an adjustment, I guess, just because obviously they can't get as many messages out. But what it does require is a lot more communication from guys coming onto the ground to deliver a lot of messages, um, looking at the bench for sort of signals of what to do, how long's left in the game. So, yeah, I guess a lot of uh, onus is on the players instead of uh, from the coaching box. So. Yeah, it's taken a bit to adjust, but I think we're getting the hang of it now. Yeah, we should uh, should get more in sync as the season goes on. Uh, Jaden, in the final passage of play the other night, you made a, an important uh, contest in the air at half forward and uh, brought the ball to ground for James Harms to swoop. What did Goody say to you after the match? He must have been pleased with your efforts there. Yeah, he just said he's just really happy with my will to win. Um, uh I value myself as a pretty competitive guy. So when the high ball went up, I just decided I just need to crank this pack because we got numbers um, on the ground, which I was able to do. I was able to get to the contest, um, get it to the front, and yeah, the rest is history. Harmsy unluckily shinned the ball, but we managed to rush it through for a point. So all's well that ends well. That's what I want. I wanted to know was uh, Harmsy having a shot for goal there. Oh, absolutely. I don't think he's ever had a worse kick than that. So he's been copying it all week. But luckily, it didn't matter in the end. Um, uh, how are you enjoying life in the forward line? It must be pleasing to get among the goals. Yeah, no, I'm enjoying it. Just the, the freedom and the ability to dictate your opponent. Um, also, yeah, you can get your uh, fellow forwards in play as well. So I love sort of giving them goals as well and getting up and about. So, yeah, change your role, but... I like to think that I've got that defensive bone that I can also bring into the forward line and really um, drive that pressure that we've been uh, putting on. So, yeah, hopefully, obviously, our forward connection hasn't been up to scratch, even uh, especially on the weekend. So, hopefully, we just keep on improving in that. And, yeah, one of these games is just going to click and we'll go from there. Whose idea was it to try you in the forward line? Is that something the coaching staff came up with or did you approach them... um... Uh, yeah, yep. Yeah, I've always thought I've had the versatility to play it, but um, yeah, Goody just rang me um, during the JLT uh, before the second game just to say, we're going to give you a, a shot up forward. We just think it suits you well, so um, give give that a go. So I actually played a few years ago in my second season at the club, played as a, a high half forward as well. So I had done it for a few games, but not for a few years now.
Yep. So, so you hadn't been training uh, over the pre-season in the, with the forward line? It was just sort of late, uh, sort of at that JLT? Yeah, no. I'd actually been training with the backs all pre-season, going pretty well. But, yeah, we had a lot of depth down the back line and a few few key injuries to the forward line. So it was just a good opportunity to sort of add to my versatility. And it's good good to be able to be picked in both sort of positions. So really, it really adds to your value as a player as well. So where do you think your best position is? And now with uh, Hibbert and Lewis joining a long list of backline uh, back, back, back injuries, uh, do you think you might end up on the halfback again, if only temporarily? Uh, I'm not too sure what the plan is. Uh, I am enjoying playing up forward. It's sort of given me this new sort of fresh fresh life because, you know, I didn't didn't have the greatest season last year. So at the moment, I'm um, enjoying the forward line. But Goody said that just keep on, keep it, Keep the backline uh, ability sort of up your sleeve because yeah, we may, we may require it at some point during the year. So yeah, we'll, we'll see what what decisions made. But I'm really happy to play uh, either. Really, uh, Jaden, you, you just made a reference to last year. Uh, it was a disappointing season for you after a, a swashbuckling 2017. Um, you just couldn't seem to get a clear run at it. It must have been uh, very frustrating for you. Yeah, absolutely. As an individually, last year was yeah, a real battle for me. Uh, it was a real, real hard one. Uh, obviously, my form early getting dropped a couple of times, and then a string of injuries just meant I couldn't really get going. So, yeah, I came back after my first ankle injury in pretty good form. Was able to get straight back in the AFL side, and then did it again. And also an ongoing uh, shoulder, which uh, at that uh, surgery in the off season. So, yeah, combination of uh, form. Uh, confidence, uh, injuries and things, yeah, it just meant I just couldn't really go, go at it. But uh, just watching uh, the teammate, my teammates in that uh, final series just made me get that get that real hunger, hunger back and want to be a part of it, really, want to be part of a team that's doing well. So, yeah, that that's what drove me during the preseason. And, yeah, hopefully me as an individual and then to the, as the team as well can really build, build from a, a pretty slow start, but... Yeah, we, we do have the confidence still that we can get to those hearts and hopefully some other. Uh, Jaden, we've been following your headwear with interest. Uh, prior to this week, I, I noticed a change in the colour scheme that seemed to have uh, it looked like you would ditch the white out of it and look like just the red and blue like uh, Gus's helmet. But I noticed this week, I thought I saw a bit of white had returned. Do you have uh, different headbands there or, or did you go just a red and blue one? Oh, there's a um, there's a few. They're all pretty similar, but uh, a few of them are slightly involved the white or not not the white. So it's just really what I'm feeling. I was wearing one um, for a while, but it was getting pretty pretty dirty and pretty stinky. So I changed it up a few weeks ago. So yeah, just keep it fresh, I guess. I must say, I'm a big fan of just the red and blue one, but uh, I understand that you'll uh, go with what you feel like. Um, but yeah, the red and blue one looked great. Yeah, uh, no, nah, thanks for that. <laughs> I think people are saying it suited su- the long sleeves, so it might have to continue to rock that too. <laughs> We're just going to ask you about the return of the long sleeve jumper, actually. Is that a um, is that a style choice to go retro or uh, one out of comfort? No, no, definitely out of comfort. Um, <laughs> I actually played long sleeve uh, as a junior, and then I tried it in Canberra a couple of years ago against GWS and Probably had the, the the worst half I've ever played on a footy field, so I ditched it half time and 
that haven't been game enough to bring it back out, but definitely when it's cold, I'll continue wearing it this season. Uh, one final question for you, Jaden. How's the mood amongst the boys? It's uh, difficult. Uh, is it difficult to keep the spirits up uh, in the playing group uh, when we've had such a difficult start to the season? Um, is there any talk of finals, or are we a one week at a time? Are we in one week at a time mode at the moment? Yeah, sort of two weeks ago, um, I think we were one and five. Uh, we just decided to sort of reset, forget what had happened, and really start start a new sort of block of a season so yeah we're really working out to the bye as that sort of new period and um yeah we're lucky enough to get two wins two close wins but we're still not playing playing them the way we know we can uh we're trying to ignore the outside noise because we believe the fundamentals of our game is actually in good shape it's just a bit of forward connection uh, a bit of uh skill execution and i think it will click soon so yeah, we really look to reset and not, not look too far ahead, not look at the actual ladder, but just really look to what we can do as a team. And we have shown that in the past, and hopefully yeah, we can we can show it this week and continue to build throughout the season. Well, um, we want to thank you for joining us tonight on the uh, Demon Land podcast. We really appreciate your time, and uh, we wish you all the best for the rest of the season. And hopefully after this week, you are leading uh, the goal-kicking uh, for the Ds. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. But, yeah, no, thanks for having me in, and, yeah, always a pleasure. All right, thank you very much. Well, that was uh, Jaden Hunt, and we thank uh, Jaden and the Melbourne Football Club for uh, allowing uh, Jaden to come on the Demon Lamb podcast. Uh, We are now joined um, by our other co-host, Super Mercado. Good evening. How are you? Good evening, gentlemen. I'm uh, still coming down from the thrills and spills of the last 50 seconds the other night. Yeah, it really was. Uh, it really was a, a roller coaster, uh, especially a roller coaster of emotions. I almost uh, did not see the end of the game. I, I almost turned off the TV in disgust. And had I done that, uh, I probably would have stayed away from all social media and probably didn't, wouldn't have found out until the next day. So luckily, I kept the TV on and was pleasantly surprised uh, in the Well, end. I, I almost didn't see the end of it because I was watching the game sitting on a laptop on a desk. And when that Gold Coast goal went through, I yelled a popular Anglo-Saxon four-letter word starting with <laughs> F and did the kick version of an uppercut on the desk. Uh, and let me say that laptop bobbed around like a cork in the ocean. So I'm I'm oh very surprised it kept broadcasting <laughs> through that, uh, but very pleased that it kept broadcasting through that in the end. Yeah, I, I imagine there would have been some people that would have turned off the TV. Um, uh, I read someone uh, on Twitter saying they were at the game and some people got up and left at that stage, but no doubt I'm sure they would have uh, still been in the ground when uh, when we had uh, ultimately won. But had they left the actual um, uh, viewing area, they might have heard, thought the cheers <laughs> weren't, for, um, weren't for a goal that we'd kick. So, yeah. I learned my I learned my lesson last year in that St Kilda game, which I had to watch at home, and I did the equivalent of storming out when they kicked a goal to go three and a bit up, and then went into the other room, picked up my phone, and went, "What do you mean we only lost by two points?" <laughs> so I've learned my lesson from that to just never give up till the end. It, it was remarkable. It, it, as I've never seen anything like that uh, from other games. I think there was a game Richmond. Um, Frio, which was one uh, right 
down to the, you know, to, uh, it all seemed lost. But uh, have we been involved, Supercarder? You'd probably know this. Uh, I, I saw you wrote something that we'd never won a game after the siren. Yes, we've had other teams lose the game or fail to beat us after the siren. So yep. technically we have won games later. Yep. Uh, but we never, in my estimation have ever actually won a game after the siren. So the, the latest I could remember other than this was the Andrew Lee and Chelly in Adelaide. Yes. Round yes. two, 2001, which I think there was four seconds left. Yep. So that, uh, yeah. And then you had the Tom McDonald in Perth, uh, which was about 20 seconds left. Um, yeah. The, the, the Jeff White against Footscray gets, gets bought up a bit, but what people forget about that is there was actually enough time in that for Aaron Davey, uh, to storm inside 50 and hit the post. Okay, yes, that's um, right. As after Jeff White's goal, much to the disappointment of a much younger me who had to listen to it on the radio that night, uh, of all things. And I think I almost had a nervous breakdown when he hit the post. Um, so that was obviously a lot later. Uh, there was Jack Trengove smacking through a point against Port Adelaide in 2010. Uh, that was a late one. And I remember a, a Russell Robertson smacking through a point against Hawthorne in, in 99. Uh, a game that I remember for two other things. One was Hawthorne fans throwing punches at each other right in front of me. And two, Scott Chisholm doing one of the great rundown tackles on a player in the goal square and then being pinged for a push in the back. Uh, an, an incident that caused an 18-year-old me to pretty much behave like I did when Gold Coast kicked that goal the other night. Uh, but no, no, from my records, we have never won a game off our own boot. Before today, earlier... Uh, Later than four seconds to go in the game, and it'll be pretty hard to beat. This is the record. Um, it was. Uh, I keep thinking every time I watch. Uh, <laughs> every time I watch the replay of this, I keep expecting to lose it because it's it's so preposterous what what ended up uh, happening. Um, you know, having to to kick two scores with fifty four seconds to go. It's it's almost unheard of. Um, I, I, I look at that last, the last play and it was good that we got confirmation from Jaden Hunt that, um, Harmsy was actually having a shot for goal. He wasn't passing it to, to T-Mac. Um, cause I wasn't sure, I actually wasn't sure what he was doing, but it, when you do look at the replay, you can see he did shank the kick a little bit. Um, do you think, uh, Tom McDonald should have gone for the mark or do you think he should have had the presence of mind to, to, to punch it through? There was a bit of uh, – I thought the criticism of Tom was pretty harsh for dropping the mark because Harm's kick was an absolute floater yeah. and it was all over the shop. So I think it was a lot uh, a lot more difficult than some people um, made out. So, yeah. Yep. And I think – did he have to change direction halfway? Because I'd have to watch it again for the 53rd time. Uh, I'd have to watch it again just for that moment. But – if he didn't change direction, why was he running away from the goal anyway? <laughs> he so might have been that giving says a to me he must have been going in and then backed back when he saw that the kick was was terrible. Because otherwise, yep. the the obvious thing to do would be track it into the square and then either mark it or smack it through. Um, I'm just pleased for once, for once in that game, an aimless bomb into the forward line wasn't just easily mopped up by a Gold Coast defender. <laughs> Uh, well, let's talk about um, let's talk about the other 119 minutes because um, we were terrible. I, I don't know what other word there is. Now, 
it seemed to have, you know, I don't know if it's an excuse or the reason, it seemed to be very dewy out there. Um, does that explain a lot of the fumbles that we had? Um, I didn't notice them fumbling as much as we did, uh, fumbling, dropping marks, um, but great well, some, of our, some of our Queensland correspondents said it was actually a, a perfect winter's night for football, and while it might have been a little bit dewy out there, it, would, it probably was less so than, than what it normally would have been. So I don't think that's any excuse, and I think we've seen um, that kind of fumbling basically all year. Um, you know, ground balls just not coming in cleanly, um, uh hand passes, uh, not hitting their mark, uh, and players still running under the football. Um, and we just look really sloppy still, somehow, um, two months into the into the season. Yeah, I would concur with that. At the same time, I thought we actually, in everything other than executing skills and kicking goals, I thought we were, were by far the better team. Uh, but all those, the fumbles and the many, many wasted inside 50s um, just just left the door open for Gold Coast, which they almost took. Half their team took it and half their team didn't, and that's why we went the other way and got two scores. Um, but, but I think, again, there were signs there, but there were not signs there that say to me, we're going to beat good teams any time in the next few weeks, especially this week. Um, and, and the run we've got, is against teams who are not going to give us the same leeway that Gold Coast gave us. So I don't think it was a good trial for the future, but I'm extremely happy to stuff the four points up my jumper and leg it out the door uh, and just remember remember the ending. Yeah, yeah, I'll never not uh, not bank uh, four points, that, that's for sure. No matter how ugly a win is, I'll, I'll always take those four points, steal it or don't steal it, we take it. Um, yeah, we killed the disposals, uh, clearances, uh, inside 50s, contested possessions. We're just not scoring. Uh, or it's not, not even the scoring. We're not. It's coming out of our forward line too easily. This has been all year. This is not something new. Um, got nothing for you in, in terms of how you fix that. Um it was happening a little bit last year as well, um, but we just were able to score. Yep. No, um, you're absolutely right. It was happening a lot last year as well. Um, and, you know, we, we might have been the highest scoring team in the competition, but I think, which is good, I'm never going to turn that back. But yeah. at, the ex- at the expense of it being the lowest scoring season in God knows how long, be the efficiency of inside 50s and see the golden six or seven weeks uh, about 12 months to the day where we were just smashing teams left, right and centre, I, th- I think it was a misleading highest score in the competition. Uh, and I think some of those, the issues we're having now, uh, you could see from a mile away um, from last year. I liked to think that they weren't going to happen, but now that they have, I look back to last year and say, I could see this coming, but I couldn't really see it coming. Uh, you, I guess we've got to take into account the, the massive injury toll, um, taking 9, 10, 11, possibly more of your best 22 out of the team uh, is definitely going to have an effect. Um, the fact that uh, the rest of the best 22 that are actually in the team, a lot of them are underperforming, not playing to the 2018 uh, standards, um, that's that's definitely there. 
and the fact that uh, we've had players, you know, we've talked about it all year on the podcast, the, the, the late start, the injury late, the surgery late starts, it's all together has taken a toll and, uh, mm, that, 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 <laughs> these are one week at a time thinkers are definitely not talking uh, the F word, even though we're a game and percentage just out of the eight. That percentage, though, is worth about four games, isn't it? <laughs> it is. I mean, it's well, uh, back to 2013, 14 levels. In my head, before the game, I was thinking, well, this is a game where we can bank some percentage, <laughs> and I was happy in the end just to bank the four points. Uh, yeah, that percentage is a, a worry, but, uh, yeah, we can't can't dare talk finals now because, uh, uh, yeah, because of the run we've got as well. Like if we can, if we can do some damage in the next few weeks, uh, and like I said, I certainly don't think it's going to start this week. But then, in some order, we've got GWS at the MCG, who will be coming with everybody pointing and laughing at their record at the MCG. Um, we've got Adelaide, could go either way. We've got Collingwood, which you wouldn't think we'd win, but by that time, we might have got a few players back um, and start to get a bit of rhythm going. Uh, unless we can do some damage in that block. Um, for instance, if obviously if we lose all four, all hope is lost. Yeah. Um, and I think even if we don't at least go two and two and get ourselves to some easier games, um, I don't think there's any hope. But to me, anything that happens this year is a bonus now. Uh, I'm quite prepared to miss the finals and not burn down the demon shop on Brunton Avenue and you know, chase Simon Goodwin down the Eastern Freeway. Um it has been a season that's been cruel by injuries. We've done some dopey things as well. Um, but I think that the building blocks are, are definitely there for next year. Um, and I think that it's unfortunately sometimes you've got to, a la Richmond 2016, just have that one year of distress before you bounce back. And I think we will bounce back. Um, well, let's talk uh, uh, before we go into the d- disappointment mode. There, there were some players who did stand out. Um, and I don't think we've talked about this guy much on the podcast uh, this year. Um, but he's just gone from strength to strength. The Christian Salem uh, this year. Uh, we know how silky he is with his skills, but he's had a fantastic year uh, this year. Um, I'd say he'd be very high up there in the, um, in the bluey count at the moment. He'd um, be close to winning it, probably. Well, he's not um, winning it on... He's coming second uh, Demon Land uh, Player of the Year uh, in yours, uh, Super Mercado. What's, where, how's he I've featured? got him equal top with Max now. Yeah. Uh, as of this week with Oliver one behind and then Melksham, obviously he's uh, yep. he's going to drop a few weeks and then Harms is the only other one that's in double figures. So yeah, I've got Salem and Gorn level at the top of the table. Yeah, I think we've I got. Mean, I think we've got. But just a sec, uh, Greg Viney. I think we've got uh, Clary on top. Uh, then equal uh, Max and, and and Salem are equal second, uh, followed by Harms and a few of the guys you mentioned. Uh, yes, Greg Viney. Yeah, I mean Salem is just uh, he's head and shoulders above anyone else when it comes to using the ball, isn't he? And uh, he sticks out like a sore thumb at the moment, uh, in particular. Uh, Clary had a lot of the ball, um, you know, uh, they think there was... His disposal is not as damaging no. as last year, though, is it? Definitely not. He seems to be rushed for no good reason. He's got plenty of time, but uh, not not always uh, making the best decisions and not always ex- executing, um, and certainly not up to the level of last year. 
Yeah, no, I'd agree with that. But at the same time, at least he compensated in this case with a animal off the ball defensive yep. performance. Um, which you know, oh, if you're not going to get, if you're not going to get the sixth sense handballs over the top and and all that kind of stuff, at least you're getting something on the other yep. side. Whereas you get other players who just go down and they don't compensate. So I, I still thought he was probably best on ground, but it was a, a pretty competitive field uh, for those first few spots in the best on grounds. Yeah, no, I'd agree with that. He was uh, he was still excellent, wasn't he? He racked up his uh, over his one thousandth contested possession. Uh, he joins uh, Patrick Cripps uh, uh, on sixty-eight games, the fewest career games to rack up that amount of uh, contested possessions. Uh, the next, uh, the next is uh, Josh Kennedy on seventy-nine, and then Tom Limbertore eighty-two, Nat Fife eighty-three games, and Tom Mitchell rounds it out the top five uh, with eighty-seven games. So. It's a pretty good stat. Um, you know, we've got a good one here. Yes, we did well. <laughs> I think that might be the one time in this century that we've made a uh, surprise draft choice that's actually come off rather than come back to bite us two years later when the person's barely played a game. I thought Sam Frost, uh, and let's take let's excise the last two minutes of the game because he made a crucial yes, error he did. at half forward, which almost cost us the game. But I thought uh, outside of that, I thought Sam Frost continued what's been a, a pretty good start to the year. He, um, he's been our best backman uh, this year by far, um, I'd have to say. Uh, would you agree, Super Mercado? It's not a, com- not a very competitive field, <laughs> but I think he, since the Sydney game, um, he has been, yeah, he has been good. Look, he does weird things because he plays like you know, an out-of-control yeah. car on a wet road. <laughs> um, and at times, that actually works perfectly, e.g. the end of the Hawthorne game um, when he did that turn and collected the ball. At times, maybe not, uh, but I would agree. Like, yeah, it's obviously our back line has been decimated this year, but I think he stood up reasonably well uh, and bounced back from that three- or four-game nightmare stretch from the prelim to that Essendon debacle. Um, uh, I'll just uh, talk Ruckman at the at a minute. Do you think we should have played Pruce in this game? And I'll give you an example why. Um, they got a pretty good Ruckman who matched it with backs quite well um, in terms of hitouts. But they got another really tall forward who, who when their Ruckman was resting, uh, is his name Peter Wright, uh, two-metre Peter as they call him, he went into the ruck against a, you know an undersized Kilty, um, and I just thought we probably should have gone in knowing they've got two big, uh, two big ruckmen. Uh, perhaps gone in with two big ruckmen ourselves. Yeah, I mean well, you know my views on Proust. So if they thought he was fit, I think they definitely should have played him. Uh, but maybe there was still a concern over the shoulder. Great, Viney. Yeah, no, I think the same. Um, I inclined to think that uh, there must have been some concern over him. Otherwise, I think he would have played and expect him to play this week. Well, I looked at, I just, I didn't watch the, the twos. We'll talk about it later if any, either of you did, but I, I saw he got a bunch of hit outs and kicked two goals. So, I mean, for me, it's that ability to kick goals as well, where we've struggled to, to kick goals. He's kicked goals in every game he's played for, for, for the ones. He's kicking them in the twos. Maybe there was a, the question mark on his shoulder or his fitness. Uh, hopefully he comes in this week. 
Um, uh, Jonesy played played all right. Uh, Had a great birth. last quarter. Yep. Uh, Viney too. Couple of really important uh, clearances in the end. Uh, or clear one of them. Maxi cleared it, but he was the one that picked it up off the off the deck and gave it to Maxi. Um, yeah, I thought he struggled. You're right; he was there at the end. Yeah. But I thought he struggled for most of the night, and it hasn't been a great season. No, he hasn't so far. Yeah, with uh, injuries and uh, yeah, um, uh, less than stellar form. Well, yep. we're definitely going to miss uh, Hibbard and absolutely Milksham. Uh, I thought Milksham was fantastic in the in the first half. Uh, he was getting everything. He probably just couldn't hit the the scoreboard as much, but he was. I think he had fourteen touches at quarter time. Yep. Yeah, they played an unreal first quarter. Uh, kicked kicked a goal, handballed off to to Harmsy, uh for that one two, um, where Harmsy kicked a goal. We're really going to miss him. Yeah, Absolutely. He's, he's, he's a key player in the half forty. So. Uh, Hibbert, Hibbert as well had started to, to get some good form. So, yeah, what can you do? We're, we're walking wounded at the moment and uh, it's, uh, it's a sad, sad, sad event. Um, someone, I think, said on one of D-Milan's social media, what happens if you can't field... Uh, can't field 22 players, but we're obviously not quite at that uh, then yet. But uh, it begs the question, I think we had, did we have six players in the twos um, yep. this week? Yep. So, yeah, definitely stretched at the moment. Yeah. Um, I think Essendon, Essendon went close one year. I think they, they were down probably about 10 maybe longer than that years ago. But by the last round, they had about 23 players. Uh, left to pick from, I guess now with your mid-season drafts and all that, as long as you didn't have, as long as you didn't have a massive crisis at the end of the year, you'd probably be able to to top it up with a couple in the middle of the year, uh, and then maybe if they've got those players sort of in a pool anyway, uh, if it got down to the the worst possible scenario, they might let you just go and pluck one of those and and park them on the bench. Um, T Mac sort of turned the corner a little bit. Was able to kick three goals, uh, which was pleasing. Dropped a lot of dropped a lot of marks. So I'm wondering if if the uh, the Dewey Ball had anything to do with it, or he's just lost a bit of touch at the moment. Uh, in terms yeah, of people marking. are speculating whether he's carrying some sort of injury that he doesn't look as uh, as agile and as nimble as he did last year. So. Um, yeah, it was a mixed bag for T-Mac the other night. He did look to get a little bit of touchback, but there was still some uh, glaring drop marks, basically, that uh, he would have absolutely gobbled last year. So it's a, it's a bit of a slow road back to form, I guess. And uh, George on the outer asked in the... Yeah, I was um, going to bring this up. Uh, ..in the chat room about Brayshaw, um, and I think most would agree, including Angus, that... Um, he struggled the other night, probably had one of his worst games at the club. Uh, George asking, is he carrying an injury or is he just, uh, was he just had a, uh, did he just have a bad night? I don't know if he's carrying an injury, but a few times uh, he barely made an effort as players streamed past him. He just sort of mm. put an arm out and they didn't, well, didn't even have yeah. to brush him aside because they just ran. It was really, as you say, just a, a limp armed effort. 
Um, and that's not... Is he annoyed that he got pushed out to a wing so that Jones can play in the middle? Uh, look, I, you'd, you'd, you'd hope, you'd hope not. not. <laughs> you'd hope that you would, <laughs> you someone would rule would've... anything out. <laughs> uh, I think he's probably more professional to do, do that. Uh, I hope so. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't, if, if it turns out that that's the case, that's not good, but I, I doubt it. Uh, but yeah, he... that. that, that right, put it down to an off night because... That's not the Brayshaw that we know and love no, and have seen. No. Um, thoughts on that, Super Mercado? <laughs> yeah, look, I, I think he's been off uh, a lot of this season, actually. I think his disposal, which I, I don't expect the disposal to be awesome every time because that's not the kind of player he is. Uh, but I think it's been a bit more hit and hope uh, than than it has been than it was last year. And, and I definitely concur on that uh, couple of those tackling efforts that just didn't seem... Fully committed. Now, you know, you don't want to cause a controversy, but to me, just as the outside viewer, it just looked like he could have gone harder in a couple of those tackles. Um, so I hope that once we start to get some players back, if he needs the break, give him the break. Uh, but unfortunately for now, given the crisis we have uh, in our depth, um, they're just going to have to get him going uh, another way. They're going to have to use all their, their man management skills to fire him up. Uh, really small forwards at the moment where we're, we're really struggling. I think Garlett's struggling. Um, I really can't see him holding his place this week, but then, uh, what else is, who else is to come in? I, uh, I don't think Bedford starting. did anything by the, by the Casey reports. And I'm not even sure if Chandler even played, let alone did anything. So I don't think any new players, uh, I guess there's Sparrow uh, is one option, but not really, yeah. you know, it's not really like for like. I'd persist with Jeffy. He was in the right places a few times the other night, had a horrible dose of the fumbles, but yeah, I'd persist with him because we there's just no one to replace him. If, yeah, uh, I agree. No just just play him. Uh, and, you know, if he's, if he's really bad the next couple of weeks, um, there's just got to be a, a line in the sand where they just say you're out and they potentially could go and get a small forward in this mid-season draft, which I think is two rounds away possibly. Um, and they could go and find a ready-made small forward uh, and, and just throw them straight into the side. Do you reckon anyone you get in this, um, in this fire sale is going to be the, the guy to turn our season around? Uh I just can't well, see it happening. There's a lot of turning to be done, so I would say <laughs> certainly not. Um, but I guess from my perspective, it's getting the player in with a free hit of being able to chuck him at the end of the year. So whether you bring in an experienced player, and I know they said uh, Corey Gregson, who used to play for Geelong, apparently, uh, is one of them, and he's a forward. And I'm told by my Geelong supporting sources that we'd be lucky to get five games out of him before he gets injured again. <laughs> well, uh, that's perfect I, for to us. which I said, well, A, he'd fit in nicely, <laughs> and B, that's perfect timing because give us five games, gets the end, he gets injured, and we chuck him. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, there's look, I think there's a few. It, it's a bit more – to me, I wouldn't go out and pick, for instance, a key defender because I think that's someone who needs time to fit into the system of a team. Yeah. But if you go out, if the, and I don't know the story of everyone who's shortlisted in this draft, but if you go out and get like some Austin Wanamiri style um, Hail Mary player who just plays on instinct and yeah. can't have the joy of football coached out of them within six, <laughs> six or seven weeks, 
um, that might be the kind of person you just throw in there and, and just let them run riot uh, and just see what happens. And then if it doesn't work at the end of the year, you know, thank you for your service. Back to your old club. What's the story with um, uh, with this preseason draft? Uh, you mentioned that you have a free hit at them that you don't have to keep them. Is that yep, correct? correct? You're basically only signing them to the end of the year, um, and then there's some they get some kind of golden handshake if they get delisted at the end of the year. But there is no there's no obligation to keep them. Do you um, get first right of refusal uh, to keep to retain their services? I'm not sure. I would think so. It would make sense that you would, because um, it'd be ironic if you go and, you know, suddenly pluck the, the next big thing, John Coleman, out of the, you know, Menangatang twos or something, <laughs> and then Carlton go and pick him, in front of you in the draft. Uh, so you'd think so, but um, potentially, I guess you could just re-sign them. Yeah. If they're your player, you might yeah, just yeah. be able to say, bang, here's your here's your ten-year contract. Yeah. Uh, if you if you think they're good enough. Um, uh, our friend of the uh, show, uh, Declan Kilty, didn't have a stellar second second up match. Um, now it all depends, I guess, with who's coming in. We've got uh, Tim Smith uh, kicked four goals. Prusy, um I, I can't see Deck keeping his spot unless uh, with Hibbard going out, maybe Lewis, they might chuck him down back. Is a possibility. Um, well, there's, yep. there, there's there's not a lot else in the tank. You've got Petty um, in the defensive line. I think it was Petty and Jordan were the only AFL listed players who were in the Casey backline last week. So there is definitely not a lot there. Mm. And Goodwin did make reference to Petty in his presser today, um, saying that he and Oscar Baker had been in good touch and would get a run at some stage. So whether that's this week or a bit further down the track, we'll see. Yeah, I'd like to see Oscar Baker get a go. I, I wouldn't mind. I, th- I don't think uh, Stretch has uh, set the world on fire uh, in his uh, return this year. I know he played some good games before he got injured last year, but he certainly hasn't been back to that to that form in that Frio game where he got injured. Uh, I, I, I thought I'm going really to go into back him. I think, I think he's actually been very good the last few weeks. Like Not a world beater, but then yep. again, no one really has been. Um, I think he's definitely earned, earned his spot at the moment. But at the same time, I would also like to see Baker get a run, potentially in a few weeks when we can start to sort of do some wacky things uh, and it's not going to affect the 0.001% chance of making the finals. I've got to say, I've uh, got to disagree on Stretch. I, uh, I thought he really struggled the other night and uh, he may, he probably will keep his spot just given the state of, of things with injuries. But, uh, yeah, I, 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 I just can't see a long-term future for him. I, I don't know what he, what he really brings to the team, unfortunately. Um, throughout the game, I couldn't help thinking that, uh, if we were playing Geelong in Geelong, we would have got absolutely pantsed and, um, probably not the only one to have thought of that. Um, no offense to, to Gold Coast. Um, but yeah. I think no, they were, they awesome. were an ordinary team and yeah. we were one second less ordinary, but <laughs> yeah. I, I do, I really do think we played the better game, but yeah. That doesn't mean squat. Got to be able to score. If you don't convert it yeah, and at the right time. And, yeah, we got in there by one and a half seconds. But 
that is they if they play like that in Perth, it'll be like the prelim um, on fast forward. They will absolutely rip us to shreds. So I really hope. I'm kind of already sus about this whole, we're never going to review the prelim, we're moving on. He said it again um, today. Uh, he, he said it all pre-season. Yeah. And, and I don't want to, you know, he's the coach, so I'm not going to second-guess him. But to me, there might be things in that performance, like how they double-team Max and how they just had us on the run, left, right and centre. There's, there's probably something to be learnt from that game, um, especially in the context of going in without Melksham, Hibbard, potentially Lewis. Um, and, you know, going in with a skeleton staff to Perth against West Coast, who are kind of just going and will probably be keen to to make a statement. Uh, I'm very concerned about this week's game. We have a habit of playing teams back into form. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so... They've got a long way to go to get back in premiership form. Yes, they do. Um, Anything else from this game that you guys want to bring up? Anyone I've missed out? Uh, good, bad, ugly? I thought Gorn was absolutely mighty in the last minute. He was yep. he was good the rest of the game, but he he and Viney um, did a you know both of those scores. They played a massive role in them. So I guess there's the benefit you see, as if you didn't already know, to having such a good ruckman. Um, and also having a ruckman that teammates can be confident in giving him the ball in traffic. Uh, a lot of ruckmen you wouldn't no. think about giving the ball to in traffic. No, that'd be and, the ones. And that, to... Those scores never happen. That'd be the ones quickly kind of palm, palming it off. It was an interesting passage of play, that one, because over on the other side, the way which Viney was running, Salem was on his own um, calling for the ball running through um, across the wing. And it's interesting that Viney, I don't know, maybe he couldn't see Salem um, and thus gave the ball off to Max. But, yeah, Salem was, was running past and calling for it and, and on his own. So, um, yeah, it could have been interesting. And how outrageous of any player, possibly the only player in the field who I would have thought a less likely chance to kick that goal would have been Oscar McDonald because he's now up to about 70 games in his career without kicking a goal. What... How good is it that it adds to it that it was a backman that kicked that goal? <laughs> yeah. And such a beautiful hit as well. Well, yep, very uh, sweet strike. The, look, I don't know much about uh, he, about Marty, but they said that uh, everyone has said that he's got a beautiful kick uh, for goal. Uh, and if I, I would think, well, if that's the case, and we, if we weren't so desperate uh, for backman at the moment, I'd think uh, maybe switch him up forward. But... Uh, he, well, he said he hasn't kicked a goal in two years. Yeah, then I heard obviously, that. So. Obviously, playing deep in defence, like you, you wouldn't have the opportunities no. to. Um, but that was the kind of hit. Like I would have said Salem. Yeah. He's done that before. He's done that plenty of times before. Hibbard's done it. Not that he would have done it in this situation, but Hibbard's done it a couple of times. Um, but, yeah, for Hoare to, to get out the, the side, um, and I don't know if you guys saw the behind-the-goals vision they had on, on the couch. Uh, and can I also say how good it is when they put these shows on streaming so you can just skip right to the bit where they talk about Melbourne and not watch the rest of the hour. Um, they showed the behind the goals where his opponent didn't chase him and that's what allowed Hoare to get right out the back um, and just sidle up beside Hunt and take a beautiful handball in the circumstances uh, and kick the goal. I thought he was actually really good on the night. I saw quite a bit of criticism. I was criticism critical. of him separately in the post-match thread, but I actually thought he was 
uh, probably in the best half dozen on the night. I was a bit critical in the uh, game day thread. Um, I thought his disposal was was pretty average. Um, there's been prior to this week. There's been a lot of people who have haven't been so thrilled with his disposal. I haven't been one of them. I've actually thought he, he's been pretty good. Um, but yeah, he fluffed it a few times. But he kicked the winning, well, the leveling goal. So um, got to thank him for that. Yeah, Super Mercado said it was a sweet, sweet strike. And, and it was one of those ones where you, you haven't got much time go to think about it. But as the as you see the person and you see the ball, you're like thinking, he's not going to kick this. There's no way he's going to kick this. And then whack, through it went. Um, and yes, it was a moment of relief. But at the same time, uh, given that a draw would probably have been about as bad as a loss for our season, I was still sort of grumpy uh, until the ball went forward and, and Jaden Hunt, smash the pack, as he talked about in the interview earlier, um, which was really important, uh, until that's when I started getting excited again uh, at the prospect of actually winning, because I, I think a draw would have been considered almost to be as bad as a loss in the circumstances. Oh, 100%. When when uh, they had initially uh, levelled it, uh, I thought, that's a loss. I wouldn't have been happy with the draw. Uh, when they got in, obviously got in front, I was livid. Uh, then when we even when we levelled it up, I was just as livid. Um, that all right, we're going to get away with a draw, but it doesn't really help us in terms of uh, making the finals or anything like that. So exactly, and look, I don't think we're going to make the finals, but I still I still don't like looking like buffoons, uh, which we is what we would have. Uh, after not only failing to beat Gold Coast, who just like last year shot all their shot all their shot at the start of the year, and now they're sort of wobbling around, much better than last year, but but still they're not you know they're not going to make the finals, um, and to lose to a goal like that, and also in a game where we should have kicked, you know if the, if once we learn to play forward of centre, we'll win that game. It'll be like last year we were ninety five points worse than our last start against Gold Coast. Um, and pretty much the big difference was that we had no bloody idea what we were doing when we went inside 50 this time. Yeah, I kept expecting we're just going to run away with it, we're going to run away with it, and it just never happened. Yeah, exactly, and it's just even at the start of the third quarter, it was like, all right, you know, we all know what happened last week, let's have some of that again. No, nothing. So very disappointing in a way, Uh, and I think they'd had, you know, had the ball gone backwards off Tom's, hand and rolled out of bounds or something, we'd be having a lot different, uh, a lot different, you know, tone of conversation here tonight. Oh, it'd be pulling. Four four points covers everything. It's the big rug to sweep everything under. It it certainly is. Um, All right. Uh, Jonesy played his um, uh, 272nd game, equaling uh, the late great uh, Robbie Flowers uh, game of the old games record. Um, great achievement for a guy that's, uh, you know, for a long time held the team up on his uh, shoulders. Um, so, yeah. All, all... In, interesting comparison, which little Goffy put uh, in one of the threads earlier in the week. Um, Robbie Flower, 272 games for 88 wins, uh, no draws and 184 losses. Jones, 272 for 86 wins, three draws and 183 losses. So two fewer wins for Jonesy um, uh, than Robbie. So shows and both barely any finals. Yeah. Yep. 
probably four, three, what it would be, four, three. Four for Jones and three for Robbie. Yep. Yep. So it's, it's sad, sad when you can actually say that just straight out, What uh, how many finals a bloke's played. That's never a good sign. Uh, I did look it up today to see the comparison to Neats, and Neats played 13 finals. So effectively, Neats got a free 10 games on top of Jones. Uh, but I, look, I can't see I can't see him getting to the the Neats. What was uh, Neats? The Neats number three twelve or something was it? Three six. Three six. Yeah. So, so many games. That that means he's got to play two two years and yeah, all games. Yeah, four years. So yeah. I, look, I can't see it happening. Um, but he will certainly be. Yeah, he'll certainly take his spot in the top two um, or top three. Very comfortably. No, he just need to play on next year. So what we've if, got? Assuming he he plays ten games. Of, uh, what have we got the for the rest of this year? year? Ten games or so. Uh, yeah. No, twelve. Oh, yeah, thirteen. Yeah, another thirteen games this year. So it'll be two eighty five. Um, fifteen six. Yeah, he'd need to play virtually a full season. But just to to um, put that in context. Since his debut, he's missed a total of 11 games. Mm. So very durable. Um, so, yeah, averaging at uh, 21 a season without finals. So you uh, you think he'll get another year um, next year? I can't see them not giving him a year. I, I think, think he will get one more year. Unless, uh, you know, unless he really sort of fell off the end of a cliff, um, I, I think he's good to go for one more year. And yeah, some I of agree. it might be played in the twos, for all we know. Yeah, probably that that year where you you sign on and they say you you know what you know where this could end, um, which I guess where's you know Jared Roughhead's at at the moment, um, and the, if the player accepts it, then great, um, and if they don't, I would hate to think so, but there might always be someone else who wants a player like that for a season. Um, I would very much hope that it didn't get to that, and I think Jonesy wouldn't wouldn't let that happen. He would he would understand. Um, the the politics of going on another year. Yeah. Um, all right, we'll move on from that game. Uh, let's put it behind us. Let's never review it ever again. Um, injuries. Can you believe our injury list? And can we? Uh, I mean, this this rotten luck um, that we've had three injuries from this game. That this. I saw one report today saying Jordan Lewis is a chance to play. Um, he injured his, not only did he injure his ankle and went off, but he came back on and then injured it again, or at least limped off in the last two minutes. If you listen to the call for the last two minutes of the game, uh, they mentioned that he's limped off quite badly again. Um, so I'm not sure how he then comes up again unless they just jab and jab that ankle. But... Uh, Hmm. Um, the problem is again, what? How do you how do you replace him when you know the only backmen we've got in the twos are, are Jordan and Petty, um, and then your other options are Kilty, Tom McDonald, Jaden Hunt. I, I I don't none of those options really do it for me um, going to Perth. But gee, I hope they don't take him if he's if he's not right. Uh, I, I'd rather play. I'd rather try one of the less exciting options than send a guy over half fit into yeah. a game like that. Well, if he's going to jog off the ground uh, injured, <laughs> then at some point, then, yeah, I don't want to take that risk. Um, 
it was my understanding that Charlie Spargo went over, uh, went with the team as an emergency. Didn't Charlie Spargo and, and Nibbler go over or was that not the case? I thought two oh. players, for some reason I thought two players went over or was I Charlie Spargo. both of them did. But then Charlie Spargo's now got a foot injury. Did Maybe he... he kicked a desk as well. Yeah. Did I, he... I, had a, I had a foot injury on bloody Saturday <laughs> night. I've still got one now. Uh, Great Viney, do you know anything about that? I, 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 obviously, Charlie didn't play in the twos. And No, all I saw was that the two of them had missed the Casey game. So um, I saw the Nibbler. Presumption was that both were going over, but ah. maybe they didn't. So it seems it appears now that Charlie's got a foot Missed injury because of an injury. Yep. So that's why he didn't go. I did see Nibbler on the boundary line uh, yes. a couple of times near the race, particularly yep. when Jordan Lewis went down the race, uh, limping down, or Melksham, one of them. Um, so I saw him there, but I think people assume that Spargo had gone as well, but uh, that doesn't appear to be the case now. Um, unless he injured himself on the plane. Um, so he's injured too. Uh, big news is, and we don't know, this is all unconfirmed, this is going by a poster on Demonland, um, who reckons he heard from the family that Sam has a hip injury, that soreness, the reason he didn't play last week, and may require surgery. Uh Thoughts on that? I guess none of us. We don't know that. Nothing's being confirmed by the club. Well, it wouldn't yeah, be a surprise. It's listed as a test, so I don't know. Which means Not to put too much weeks. store into it at this stage. Yeah, uh, but that's worrying. There is good news, though. What's that? And that is that Jake Lever mm-hmm. is expected to at least play some of this week's game with Casey. Yes, uh, Goodwin did mention that in the um, in his presser today. So, fantastic news! Um, how long? Which is, I think a little bit earlier than what we'd had, well, what that secondary opinion had been, which that it was going to be a little bit later than expected. But now it seems he is coming back around around when we'd initially hoped. Well, uh, it's about time we got a injury update in our favour because everyone else is sliding backwards at a million miles an hour. Um, You know, Joel Smith, we've all heard about that. And May, I think even Jetta went from 8 to 10 to 8 to 10 to 10 to 12 uh, within about three weeks. So it's nice to get someone come come back before we expected them to. Well, you hear, I see injuries at other teams and players are always coming back earlier than expected. I uh, saw a report the other day that uh, Alex Rance uh, is absolutely flying at the moment. <laughs> well, the only time we get players back earlier than expected is when it's Jack Viney and his foot falls apart again. <laughs> what did you think about them bringing him in this week? Do you think that was... Uh, uh, well, particularly because uh, it seemed that the decision was left up to him. I guess yeah, it was a calculated off. risk that paid off, yeah. uh, and I can't believe no Gold Coast player lined his Test, shoulder up for a shot. Out. Yeah, uh, Mitch Hannon appears to be one to two weeks away. I'd uh, really like to get him back in. We're, we're screaming out for for that type of player in the team, so hopefully he can make it back at least uh, going either before the bye or going into it. Um, Jay Kennedy Harris as well. He's only two weeks away, so maybe he's the small forward that we need. Um, the rest of them, KK and Vandenberg are still listed as TBC. Uh, they're not as the indefinite, um, but 
Doesn't look like there's any movement at the station there. <clears throat> I've given up on Vanders, I've got to say. Yeah, it seems like we've got a few players like that that are just perpetually injured. Um, we talked about last week, Maynard's one of them. Uh, Tim Smith, who played last week, but uh, always seems to be on the injured injury list. Have we worked out where Collar Jazdy got this concussion yet? Like, no. uh, was it was it in a was it in a twos game or training or did you know did he go to the supermarket and something dropped on his head while he was reaching at the shelves? Like, just came out of absolutely nowhere. Um, that he's gone bag. from yeah seniors to being dropped to next thing you know he's um, you know out with an indefinite concussion, which is you know usually code for that we we've got some trouble here. Um, you know the person's potentially got actual you know really having really trouble. Um, with that concussion, so you know, you'd hate to think that that he's going to almost be forced out of the game by by a concussion injury. Well, I thought uh, wasn't it diagnosed as uh, some neck uh, related injury? Not his this problems, time, but the last yeah, no, that, his that problems were. Time before. Yeah, that's right. You're right. But, so, knowing um, us, knowing us, we probably haven't we haven't opened that part of the medical file, and they're they're misdiagnosing him with the wrong thing. <laughs> Possibly. Oh, look, I don't, I don't know. But the the good news uh, with the Hibbert injury, um, initially, I think uh, it was expected that it would be worse, but they reckon he could be back within two weeks, despite having surgery. But two weeks turns well, into two Hogan, to four. Right? Hogan had a collarbone that wasn't, he wasn't out too much longer than that last was year it was that was that collarbone was that, the year before? No, was that a, that he did it against north in uh hobart or yeah, i might be, a, I might be a year behind i might be rolling my seasons into into each other remember we played north late in the year it was the game that was probably the game that ended up costing us uh finals yeah and we all thought we were a you know big chance because north were rubbish and yeah, yeah, yeah. down it went yeah you're probably right it was actually 2017 yeah i think it was that game um all right, so that is um, injury list. Uh, Casey, did either of you get to see the Casey game? It was streaming, I believe, before um, before our game. Uh, I didn't get to see it. Uh, all I do know from that, and there aren't many uh, Melbourne players involved, uh, but um, Tim Smith, I guess the, the, the ones we need to look at, Tim Smith, four goals, possibly he comes in, uh, Bruce, I think we definitely need to to bring in uh, two goals, and I'm not yep. sure how many hitouts he had, uh, but I remember seeing something at halftime. He'd had a bunch of them. So, well, it, in a good sign for Casey, which given that how few there were of our players, I don't know how good sign it is for us. Essendon was actually undefeated to that point, yep. so it was definitely an upset victory. But it sounds like Bruce definitely dominated uh, in the ruck, so I think there's there should be no doubt um, that he comes back in this week. Uh, and adds that extra contest in the forward line because I think that's what we need a lot. We just need a contest rather than just the ball being chopped off. Yeah, Bruce uh, had forty hitouts, uh, fifteen disposals, two goals, six marks. I thought that I read in the thread though that maybe S was it Essendon. They they're that we they're played, lacking. They, yeah, that well, they we didn't know that really have a tall to go against him. I oh, know. This that, isn't like uh, Max Gorn's 80 hit-outs against Bendigo when it turned out he was playing <laughs> yeah. against a guy who was about five foot. <laughs> and, the, well, they've obviously had a good season being on top of the ladder. I think they've played the... Um, I think they've had a good draw to date. So, 
Um, yeah, not sure yeah, how much to read into the win on the weekend. I'm going to bank any win that we get this year. Casey, uh, v, v, Casey VFLW uh, is, is a good weekend. Any weekend where Essendon loses three matches is a, is a good weekend. Um, so, yeah, uh, I think they're probably the two players uh, out of Casey that we're looking at, uh, unless they can pull out some Bruckman. Uh, Oscar Baker... Um, Oh, it doesn't really. Whoever did this, uh, I think it was uh, Casey from Casey, didn't doesn't have all of his stats available there, but he did kick two goals. Um, all right, Casey. Uh, so changes. We got uh, Melksham out definitely. Hibbert out definitely. We don't know about. Um, we don't know about Lewis. Anyone else get dropped? I, I don't know if we can, we can drop anyone. Uh, Kilty for Bruce, I would say, would be the only omission, just because there's no there's no obvious replacement for Garlett. Um, yes. So the, then, who comes out? We got Hibbard and we got Melksham coming out. So who who comes in for them? If you're going to drop Kilty, Nibblers Nibblers are likely in for Melksham. Yep. Um, yep. If you consider Melksham as a half forward rather than the midfield role, well, he's I, I guess played he quite does. a bit of this year. Um, Stretch probably keeps his spot only on account of that. Um, and yeah, you need one more to come in to replace Hibbard. Well, it just it just depends if um, you know if Lewis is out as well. Then we've got two defensive roles mm. um, that we need to fill. So I'd like to see Petty get another go. Um, especially if Lever's going to be coming back in the next few weeks, like it's pretty a good time to test him to, out, yeah. to test him out, um, and see whether he's he's you know going to be worth p- persisting with this year. I think he's one of those players who there's no suggestion that they're going to chop him at the end of the year, um, but whether he's going to get a few games this year or he's really going to have to to work his way into it in his third season. Um. I guess uh, last uh, couple of things I've got on the list to, to talk about don't really relate uh, to the Ds uh, per se. Uh, the Gary Ablett uh, incident uh, this week, uh, your thoughts on it, Super Mercado? Um, it, 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 does, it did lack force, but... I know, personally, personally, it's like when, um, you know, the Stephen May one in the preseason. Like, personally, I have no issue with that. But I'm surprised in this case, like the May one, that the league didn't have an issue with how it looked um, just for, um, you know, the, the visual for the game. Um, but I guess this weekend was just such a complete schmozzle for the AFL that they could just do anything and no one was going to no one was gonna take them seriously. So, yeah, I, I don't know if Gary's trying to get a week off or something. <laughs> um, potentially he should just, you know, chuck a, chuck a fake hammy injury or something if he just wants to take a week off. Um, but yeah, I, I, you don't know where the AFL is going to go these days. It's just off its face. Well, but considering his last week's uh, the last week getting off, uh, well, he didn't get off initially, and then got off on on the um, well, it wasn't an appeal. He took it to the tribunal. Um, do they look at last week's form when they're adjudicating on this? knows what they're doing exactly it's, when, it's, it's not like a court case where you would say you have to judge it on its merits and then potentially use the past form in the sentencing 
this is just one bloke in an office, you know, with a chart um, coming up with an outcome. And then there was that poor kid from um, poor kid from North Melbourne who uh, seemed to give a nice hip and shoulder and gets a week for it. And I think uh, it was I, I don't really usually agree with things that uh, Campbell Brown says. Uh, he said the the difference between that incident and the Fife and the Ablett incident is that the North Melbourne kid doesn't have a Brownlow medal. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, all it lacked was Ablett being in contention for the Brownlow this year so we could have people say things like, oh, you wouldn't take a Brownlow off him for that. Mm. Uh, or it's all happening in a prelim, so people would say, oh, you wouldn't stop him playing in a grand final for that. That, yeah. yeah. Like it makes a difference. Yeah. Well, it does. Depends on who they are sometimes. That's the trifecta. If you can get finals, grand final implications, Brownlow implications, yep. and a big-name player at once, you could pretty much do anything. You could go someone with a chainsaw on the field and you'd get away with it. Yeah. Uh, the Dane Rampey uh, incident, uh, climbing the post, uh, did that warrant a free kick? Technically, yes. Would you be ropeable if that happened uh, uh, against us and wasn't given a free kick if we were in Essendon's uh, situation? I think players just want to see consistency. And I, there's some confusion now post-match as to whether it should have been and or should not have been. But, you know, again, we saw um, we were penalised at the weekend with one of those um, 50s for running in the protected space. Um and you, you, you keep you, you watch other games, and um, the umpires just pay that only occasionally. Yeah, I see it all and the time. Sometimes they adjudicate no, and other times it's yes, we will pay it. So it's the consistency is what fans and players want to see. Um, Super Mercado, we would you be would you have been ropeable? If that happened to us. Is it fair? <sighs> I, Not a free I could kick. almost, I could almost except the umpire just fritzing out in the spur of the moment and not remembering, you know, an obscure rule in the rule book. But it's the way they come out it's, and yeah, say yeah, that it felt. was the right decision. Yeah, the but it off. was like, oh, technically it should have been a free, but, you know, the feel of the game. And then you get all these, you know, ask James Harms last week where he failed to run, you know, in the right direction geographically past a bloke and he cops a 50 in a goal. Um, I think it would have been a much cleaner if the AFL had just had the balls to come out and say, that was a stuff up. There should have been a 50. We understand that it's such an obscure rule that the umpire stuffed it up. We're going to send a reminder out to all the umpires down. You won't be surprised to find out it was the same umpire who missed the uh, most obvious 50 in the world last week. (laughs) Um, So I don't know if he's still traumatised about us delisting him 15 years ago. I don't, rem- I don't remember. I don't remember. He's had a bad run. I don't remember him. I don't remember the name. Oh. He played one Wizard Cup game. Okay. <laughs> um, and he's there. I think he was on the rookie list for one season. So, I don't know if he needs you know counselling or something from that. But obviously, he's done well to get to where he is, being an AFL umpire. Um, and it's it's not an easy job. But you sort of the ones I give umpires the benefit of the doubt on are the ones just in the play where, you know, the chaos is swirling all around them. Um, it, these ones like this are the ones where you sort of think, well, you know, come on, how can you not, how can you not do that? Uh, I think the funny, the funniest thing is the Essendon fans getting all defensive about it. Where if it if it had happened to them, 
backing on from the great Anzac Day debacle. There would be chaos. Imagine the hilarity that would ensue if Essendon had had a game taken off them because a player had decided to to climb up the post. (laughs) Uh, In that case, I would have said, yes, definitely take the game off them because it would have just been so hilarious because they would have lost the plot. Um, But as it is... I don't know. Yeah, like I agree, but even then, I think there's a gray, there's a grey area, because is it the action of climbing the post that shakes the post that gives the free, or are they looking for someone shaking the post deliberately? Yeah, that's if if shaking the post is the the crime, then the question is, you know, does does it did he the post shook, but did he shake the post? My my favourite thing about, about philosophically my favourite thing about the rule uh, was the fact that they mentioned um, the officials, players or officials, meaning an official must have at one stage climbed up the goalpost for them to be included in in the rule. Well, yeah, well, you would I think guess in that, the nineteen um, hundreds, yeah. some some officials well, climbed I guess up. Guess like the a water boy or something could run out and just shake it and go, "Well, stiff shit, what are you going to do about it?" <laughs> Uh, so they thought they'd better put them in. You, no doubt you guys would have seen the replay of the classic footage this week of the chaos at Carrara with Simon Beasley trying to kick a goal from the pocket in yeah, the late 80s it. with not only the Brisbane players forming a human pyramid in front of him, but also about <laughs> 10,000 12-year-old kids yeah, running around. Running the across the mark. And... <laughs> one of the wildest things I've ever seen in my life. So, you know, there should be more of that. Yeah, but right. it will never happen again now because not only will they probably put a rule in place that says you can't climb the post, but it, it's just the kind of thing that happens once every 10, 15 years and an entire generation of people will know, don't do it. Um, I don't know how long he thought he was going to actually stay up the post, <laughs> that he was going to impact the kick coming in because he didn't. I don't think he, he was still up there when the ball even got near the goal. No, he got told to get down by the umpire. Oh, the umpire saw him. oh by the umpire who was <laughs> by the umpire who was saying it wasn't a free, who yeah. works for the league that says the umpire <laughs> made the right decision and then went back and gave him a token fine, which he still doesn't have to pay. Yeah, so he got fined for that as well as fined for um, his comments to the umpire when he got a free kick against him during the game. Well, he, he got called to play on about three times. He didn't hear it and then blamed the girly voice of the umpire. He, was, he had a rampage of a night because he also <laughs> yeah. had that uh, where he pretended to give the ball back to the bloke and kind of did an air swing with his hand and, and just like didn't actually give the ball back to him. Uh, he, he needed to have a bloody piss test after that game. <laughs> he was just doing weird things left, right and centre. It, it was an incredible performance. Um, but yeah, so they gave, they fined him a thousand dollars, but suspended it for the post. Oh, they suspended so, it. Okay. Yeah. So it's good to see someone what uh, the mean? first the first person to be fined for being not guilty since the Melbourne Football Club in 2013. <laughs> Love it. Uh, final thing, uh, Jeff Kennett's a bit upset. He uh, thinks the AFL is intentionally trying to weaken it, weaken his club. Uh, uh, via the via its fixture, uh, one of the uh, points he's making is the fixturing them to play on um, Mother's Day. Now I sent you out, I set you on the task. I didn't realise how monumental uh, that task would be with two hours to go. Uh, you failed me. You didn't come up with yes. uh, 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 the stats, but thankfully we've got 
do you know this guy, uh, Sir Swamp Thing, on um, on Twitter? Um, I'm sure you follow uh, only him. Only by sure reputation. He must have, and you mentioned it uh, in a comment on Twitter, um, the database that he has and his ability to be able to pull out these amazing statistics. Um, incredible. So Hawthorne, uh, Essendon and St Kilda have played the least. Oh, well, sorry. sorry uh, forget. I'm going to disregard GWS and Gold Coast who have played two and three times. Uh, on Mother's Day, but Essendon and St Kilda have only played four times on Mother Day, Mother's Day in the AFL era. Uh, Carlton and Hawthorne five times, so I don't know what uh, Jeff Kennett's whinging about. Collingwood six, and then uh, Melbourne, uh, Port and Richmond have played nine times. I thought we had played a lot more. For some reason, I remember there was always a hoo-ha when the fixture came out and we seemed to be getting Mother's Day games all the time. Maybe it was just a couple at of years. At yeah, maybe it was just a couple of years in a row, and because of that, I, I thought we yeah. had it more often. Um, there was a time when the AFL actually pumped up the Mother's Day fixtures. I remember Richmond and Collingwood many years ago, and being an absolute blockbuster of a game in front of a huge crowd. So um, I don't care what Kenneth's whinging about, and I hope it's true, and the AFL are trying to ruin him and his <laughs> miserable club. Well, well I s- I've got no respect for any team that sells even more games than us interstate. So go and sell another, go and sell another two home games to Tasmania and uh, make your money back that way. Well, I, yeah. I saw a Richmond supporter say, "Well, we played uh, Frio uh, last year on Mother's Day, and there were forty three thousand people there." So, um, and I guess... it doesn't stop the Perth. I think forty thousand showed up to Frio West Coast this time. So I'm not sure if the you know, there are no mothers in Western Australia or something, but probably has more to do with the fact that their team was playing like absolute garbage. Yeah, and uh, playing and GWS. just happened to, to have a an excellent win that a lot of fans probably thought should have gone to that. Mm. So if you're going to have, you know, fans who just pull out at the slightest drop of trouble, then bad luck. But you know what? I also think they probably shouldn't uh, if they don't want to. If the AFL don't want to have thirteen thousand or whatever it was at a, on a Mother's Day, then they probably shouldn't fixture uh, GWS. Uh, I know Hawthorne supporters are probably partly to blame, but if they had put Hawthorne, well, any other Victorian team up, it probably would have got a better uh, crowd. So, I mean, got to play GWS. Well, it, was, it, was, it was Father's Day where we set our all-time Eddie had stadium record against GWS of about eight and a half thousand people. Uh, last round of a last round of a not terrible year, but an ordinary year uh, at a at a ground we ever all our fans hated. Yeah. Um, but possibly don't hate as much as they used to. And we hadn't won there because that was the one that broke the, the broke the lengthy streak. And that was about eight and a half thousand. That was a good day. You could there was certainly no queues anywhere in the stadium. <laughs> Good day to go to the toilet of the football. Yeah, it probably cost us about $100,000 <laughs> to the club, but, you know, amenity-wise, it was a ripper. All right, uh, boys, uh, unless there is anything else you want to discuss, we might uh, wrap things up. Um, got anything going out, um, Super Mercado? Just the usual blogs on demonblog.com where you can see my rankings of all the six-point or less wins of the last 30 years. Uh, or the last, since 1980, 1990 was the first one that I ranked. Uh, so we've had exactly 30 now as of the other night. So, so you ranked it, can, 
I've you... applied a patented formula, um, including the insanity of the finish, the context of the game, and just the general vibe of how I felt about it, uh, and came out with the Tom McDonald against West Coast at Subiaco being the most bonkers finish to a game. Um, overall, this was obviously the most bonkers finish finish, um, but that one had more context in it, it. The fact that it was our last ever game at Subiaco, you had Tom McDonald kicking five, the way he kicked it, um, et cetera, et cetera. So that just came out on top. Do you, do you, can you give me the uh, top five? What, what, what? Oh, yes. I'll, let me scroll. So we got that game. Then we got equal second, the round 20 and round 21, 2005 uh, came together, uh, which along missing after the siren at Cadinia Park and the Footscray Jeff White one. So, for instance, I ranked that as the number one for the context because obviously it had massive finals implications. Was, it, was that two uh, weeks in a row? Yes. Oh, wow. So we beat Belong by one yeah. uh, and then Footscray by four the next week. Uh, there was actually three in a row in 2006. Round four, five, and six, we won by under a goal each week. Huh. Uh, so I had this one fourth, uh, and fifth was round nine, 2010 versus Port. Uh, the one where we blew about a 40-point lead in the last quarter and narrowly got up. And that wasn't the – that obviously wasn't the Trent Gove one because it was 2010. Oh, yeah, that's the Trent Gove one um, where he smacked through the point. So, and then Mark Jamar was so tired he had to sit down for his post-match interview. So that was the top <laughs> five uh, right down to 30th, round 11, 1990 versus Carlton, uh, which I think it was only, it was only a six-point margin because – they kicked a goal after the siren, so didn't have the didn't have the vibe, didn't have the context, uh, and certainly didn't have the insane finish. Excellent. All right, boys. Um, thank you very much uh, for joining uh, joining us. Uh, look, at least we got the win, and it wasn't all doom and gloom. And uh, I don't know. I don't have a. I don't hold a lot of hope for for this coming week. Um, but please prove I hold me nil. wrong. <laughs> you old nil. All right. I hope we're all proven wrong. Um, thank you, Super Mikado. Thank you, Grave Viney. And thank you to Jaden Hunt uh, for joining us uh, earlier on, on the podcast. All right. We'll be back uh, next week. Um, you can follow us on all the uh, usual social medias, uh, Facebook, uh, facebook.com uh, slash Demonland31, Twitter at Demonland, Instagram at Demonland31. Search for us on YouTube by searching for Demonland Podcast. Um, yeah, you can uh, download the show on uh, iTunes, any of the Android podcasting apps. Uh, we're on Spotify as well, uh, or you can just uh, stream us uh, on SoundCloud on Demonland.com. Um, we'll be back next week. See you later, go days. <laughs>